0: can't let this one slide ayy. don't you want to dance with me no i could dance like michael jackson i could give you the
1: passion it's a thriller and a track where we from baby don't you want to dance with me no i could dance like michael jackson i could get you satisfied fashion.
0: and you know we out here
1: every day with it i'm gonna show you how to get it and go right for her.
0: Yo, what's up, everybody? It's time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, my partner in crime, my brother from another mother, Jim Cross. Jim, my man, it's episode two of season two, and it's titled Hail Mary, Full of Grace. And the reason it's titled that is because we're going to bring on Christopher Newport University women's field hockey standout, Mary Grace Humes. But before Mary Grace joins us, Jim, it was a productive weekend on my end, but, you know, tell me about yours.
2: Man, I got to start with the episode title again. You catch me off guard every week. It's brilliant again, brother. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. But as far as the weekend – I did your favorite thing. I spent the weekend on the pitch watching soccer and I got good news and some bad news. There was a win. There was a loss, but there absolutely was a tie. I know you hate it, but here's the thing, Daniel. We were down the entire game and we scored with like five minutes left. And wouldn't you say that it's better to tie than to straight up lose? No,
0: absolutely not. That sounds (laughs) like a, a moral victory if I've ever heard of it. It was a moral victory, those girls need that. Hey, they're fourteen years old that's That's called enabling when you tell them they need a moral victory, that's you preventing them. That's participation ribbons and trophies at its finest.
2: Well, I can only hope tonight when we get into this episode and we learn about a new sport. There's ties just so you can get a little edgy
0: yeah i mean i'm I'm curious to know like field hockey is something that I am am you know, I don't have a whole lot of knowledge in, so I'm excited to get to, to learn about the sport. I'm excited that, you know, we, we have somebody who is a standout and a star in our own rights, but um, more importantly, it's just more diversity that we're bringing to the podcast. So, um, you know, on my end with, with the weekend, I got a chance to visit Disney, man, the, the place where dreams are made of. Like Which part? We went to Animal Kingdom the first day, and then the second day we went to the Magic Kingdom. So, you know, the the crowds are, are limited. It was hot, but, you know, we made the best of it. We had our mask on, we social distanced as, as well as we could, and, you know, we had a good time. So, um, all in all, I mean, my daughter enjoyed it, and I guess that's that's the ultimate victory right there. That
2: is a win, sir. Absolutely.
0: Well, you know, let's get to it, man. I've been looking forward to this all since, since we found out, you know, Mary Grace is going to be on the show. I was excited because it's something new and I, I, I pride myself in the ability of always wanting to learn something new. So, you know, without further ado, Jim, let's welcome on to the show with the biggest interview and podcast this week. Christopher Newport University women's field hockey star, Mary Grace Humes. Mary Grace, how are we doing?
1: Good, I'm doing well.
0: Well, first and (laughs) foremost, yeah, we're glad to have you. Thank you for being here. I know um, when we, you know, I I mentioned it in the intro, when when we booked you, I was excited because I I don't know much about field hockey. And, you know, for us to be a sports podcast, we got to be diverse and we can't, pigeonhole ourselves into the sports that we know the most about. So this is, this is going to be fun, you know, and I I just want to lead off this thing with, you know, if I was in an elevator with you and we were going from the ground floor to the top floor and we had about a minute to get there, tell me in that minute, what is field hockey?
1: Field hockey The way that I describe it to people who don't know anything about it is very similar to soccer, except you use a stick and the ball is a lot smaller. Um, It's 11 players on a field, 10 field players, one goalie. You have attackers, you have midfield, you have defense. Um, Similar setup on the field, except the one difference between soccer and field hockey is that um, instead of a box, you have a circle that's I think a little under 25 feet from the goal I'm not might not be right it might be 16 it's 16 yards um but the ball is made of like it's pretty hard plastic but it's hollow um and sticks used to be wooden but now they're composite and so but it's pretty much the same idea as soccer Um, goals are worth one point and the team with the most goals at the end of the game wins
0: so the ball is on the ground, and you you have this composite stick, and you're just passing the ball and, mm-hmm. and setting up shots, like as if you were kicking the ball in soccer, but you're hitting it with the with the stick. So the biggest question I have is: Are there ties in this game?
1: <laughs> yes, there are ties. Um, in some games depending for us in college like if it's not a conference game or like a super important game will end in a tie but if it does end in a tie and it's like a championship we do go into shootouts which is um the field player will start at the 25 yard line and take have eight seconds to take the ball in and score against the goalie
0: so that's like that's it's like heads up one-on-one in that, mm-hmm. in that, oh man, that's that's intense. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me ask you this then. Since there are ties, how do you feel about ties?
1: Um, not good. Um, I'm a goalie, so sometimes ties are frustrating if our team is on the other side for the whole time and it's like, like come on, you can't score. But also at the same time, it's like kind of my fault why it's tied too. So.
0: So I, I look at certain situations, especially in soccer and in hockey. So I'm picturing the way you're describing this is like soccer and hockey. And I see like a breakdown on the, like within the team can cause an easy goal. Not that you are giving up a goal or allowing a goal, but like, it just makes it tough because you're putting a, in a tough position or the, the offense is put in a, a very favorable position. So when that happens and you give up a goal, are you just like, Oh, you know, that, that's not on me. Or does every goal frustrate you? Do you feel like you should block and, and contend every shot?
1: I wish that I could say that I, it would be my job to block every single shot, but I, um, it does happen where there's like a miscommunication with the defense and something happens where a defender should have gotten a, to a ball and I wasn't in a position where I could make a save. And that does happen and you can't take all the blame yourself because it's just it just happens with the miscommunication between your team and it happens all the time and it sucks, but.
2: Is there more goals in field hockey than there is in regular hockey or soccer?
1: Um, I think it's about the same as soccer. There's not a lot of goals, but um, it's just not easy to score to get the ball all the way down the field. Also, another rule that I didn't mention, you have to score within the circle. So you can't just hit the ball super hard down the field and it would happen to go in. You have to score within the circle. And there's, a like, it gets pretty crowded with everyone sticks and everything, so.
0: So is there a time where, like, the, your coach would pull you off the field and leave an open goal?
1: Um, they do sometimes have a strategy where they'll do, like, um, an extra field player in place of a goalie. And they'll put on, like, a penny or something so that the ref knows that there is a field player taking the goalie's place. And the only time I've ever seen that done was in club. And it was when the team was winning by a lot. Oh, uh,
0: okay. Yeah, I mean, I guess when, when you can't – when you have to be inside the circle, like having – like if you can't hit it from one end of the field down to the other, it really kind of negates the fact of, of taking the goalie
1: mm-hmm.
0: off. But – what are what are the positions? Are are they the same position as soccer, or do you have like different names for positions? And and how many positions? Like I'm I'm curious to I'm trying to visualize what this what this looks like.
1: Um, it kind of just depends on the formation that the coach chooses, but most of the time, there's like four to five attackers up top, kind of like spread out, and then either three, sometimes two midfielders. Or two, sometimes three defenders. So you kind of have to move the numbers around depending on what kind of formation you want. And every coach that I've had has done a different formation. It just depends on their strategy.
2: So Daniel, yes, the the answer is it's they may have different labels, but that's exactly how soccer works. Because, for instance, we've been going to these college games where they're LSU, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and they all have different formations. No setup ever looks the same.
0: Gotcha. So, I mean, to me, it seems difficult. I mean, there's a, there's a level of endurance that goes into it, a level of hand-eye coordination that goes into it. And all of this has to be done skillfully on the run. And as a goalie, you may not be in the endurance mode as long as the others, but the hand-eye coordination has got to be there and the quick movement back and forth has to be there. Um you know, are there some players that are that are just really, really good or or is everyone just someone who like they've developed this skill or it's something that they had to learn as they grew up, or is this something where oh, they have the skills like they're just good, no matter what
1: I think there's two kinds of field hockey players that are that end up being really good. And it's people who are just naturally athletic and can pick it up. And then there are players who just have such good training and um, are very technical with the way that they play. And a combination is incredible, but some people can get away with being athletic and still being a great player. And then some people just have amazing technical abilities and might not be as athletic, but they, can know how to move the ball and get it away from other people and score. All
2: right, Mary Grace, we're going to take you off the hot seat as far as <laughs> explaining the game to us for a second. We're going to go through your journey. So we're going to start from the beginning. So where are you from?
1: I'm from Fredericksburg, Virginia.
2: All right. And so, uh, you know, when did you start playing field hockey?
1: I started playing Parks and Rec field hockey when I was in fourth or fifth grade and then I started playing club um, at the end of my seventh grade year.
2: middle okay. school. And did you play any other sports?
1: I started off playing soccer as a kid and that's why I switched to field hockey is because I hated soccer and then in high school I did I kind of did a little bit of everything. I did one season of club lacrosse. I did um, a season of soccer, I did one season of swimming, and then I ran track um, for my junior and senior year.
2: So safe to say, based upon that answer, you're pretty athletic, just being open about it? Uh, yes. <laughs> I think it's interesting that you did track, but then as Daniel pointed out, you know, you're kind of in a still position for a while, so that's pretty interesting.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, you know, you mentioned soccer, and you know, we brought up a little bit, and what the audience may not know is that you have a, a twin sister who I believe played soccer. Why don't you tell us about her?
1: Yes. She played soccer since we were little. She did a little bit of club and she played in high school and I convinced her to start playing field hockey in high school because that's kind of what most of our friend, we had a, uh, the same friend group in high school. So I convinced her to play field hockey.
2: And the question we like to ask when we find out that there are siblings who are both athletes, you got to be honest. We're going to ask it: Who's the better athlete between you two? Well,
1: I think back in high school, she might have had me because she was a good runner, but now, not even close.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Hey, just got to got to call it what it is.
0: So I got a question: he, Who who's the most athletic person? In, in your family.
1: Me for sure, <laughs> only because I'm the only one who's run two half marathons. I always have to rub that in their face. Oh,
2: okay, <laughs> go on with your bad self. <laughs> you know the Humes family though. Her dad Pete and and Alan and all them they they could ball. She might be not giving enough enough credit to old Pete there.
1: Yeah. All
2: right. So you've mentioned club a couple times, and this was a question we were going to ask. You know, I'm my daughter plays club soccer and the way it kind of is is club is a bigger deal than school is as far as a lot of sports, not even just soccer, but that's just obviously our world. But you see that, um, in basketball and baseball, is it the same way in field hockey? Is, is club a big deal?
1: Yes. Club is a huge deal. Um, I don't know anyone who's ever gotten recruited. Maybe one person who's gotten recruited just off of playing field hockey in high school. Club is super important. Um, Just because most of the time, the only way to get showcased is going to tournaments and playing in tournaments and being seen. Um, College coaches rarely come to high school games for field hockey.
2: So you said you started playing, you know, in the rec league around fourth grade. Around when did you pick up club?
1: Um, End of my seventh grade year, mostly eighth grade was when I really got started.
2: Gotcha. So, yeah, I mean, it seems to be – no matter what sport we're talking about nowadays and and so it makes sense that that's your answer that like you said in order to get scouted you have to be a club player because it seems like just the co- the coaching the competitiveness everything about it, it's just it's a different level and you know it's funny it's it's called club but I mean you know in order to be successful you got to be part of the club like literally so yeah it makes sense
1: You
0: you talk about club and you said there wasn't many people that got recruited to play or play at the next level out of school, but like, what, what did you do in high school then? Was there a field hockey team or was club the only avenue for field hockey?
1: I, my high school and all of the surrounding high schools had field hockey teams. Um, But a lot of the girls who played on my high school team, some of us did club, some of us did not. So um, it was kind of, some people were just there to try out the sport and play for fun. And then some of us were there because we wanted to play in college.
0: So for you, obviously you played club and you played for the high school. What what, what was harder? I mean, obviously the club was more, more talent driven and probably the better of the athletes, but... I feel like the high school presents a set of challenges where you have two groups of people, one group that's ultra competitive and wants to like pursue this further and another group that's just kind of out there to have some fun. Like what are what were the challenges playing on at the high school team?
1: I think um, what you just mentioned was with having that mix of people, some who want to take it very seriously and want to pursue it after high school and then some people are there just to have fun and to play the game. Um, it's hard because some, for me at least, I was very competitive and I would take all of our games really seriously. And when I felt like people weren't playing well, I always had to remind myself like, not everyone here is put, like is putting in the extra time with club and some people are doing like the best job that they can. So for not playing the sport for very long. So um, I think it was a good experience for me to play with people who haven't played as long to kind of just, you know, be more understanding and be a better goalie too, to work yep. with defenders who weren't as experienced.
0: Nice answer. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure the, the the shot contention that you have in high school is probably much higher than that in clubs. So um, I I will ask you, you know, you talk about being a goalie. Was there ever a time where you played a different position other than goalie?
1: Um, I started off as a field player, um, but that was in Parks and Rec. And I wasn't the best on the team. So my t- also my team didn't have a goalie, so everyone on the team would rotate taking turns to play goalie. So I – just kind of realized I was probably going to be end up being better at goalie than I was at field player so that's when I decided to stick to goalie
0: gotcha so in my head like what what is the season for field hockey in high school and club do they happen at the same time the same time of year
1: um no they do not so I think that's because all of the Um, girls who play club want to play in their high school teams and not have to make the decision between the two, they will do high school in the fall and then club will pick up for indoor right after high school season. And then club will have an outdoor spring season.
0: Gotcha. So if there was a time where you had to make a decision between club and high school, which one would you have chose?
1: Oh gosh, that's really hard. Um, I think in the beginning of my high school career, I probably would have chosen high school just because it was so much fun playing with the girls I went to school with and um, just doing all of the team bonding stuff. But um, towards the end of my high school, my junior and senior year, I think I probably would have chosen club just because I know how much more important club is if you want to play in college.
2: You know, I hope that some of the girls on my daughter's soccer team are listening to you, even though we're talking about a different sport, because they even had a tournament this past weekend, as you heard me talk about, and we had multiple girls miss different games because their high school had games. And, you know, you talked about it, whether it's the competitive nature or scouts, and some of them will prioritize high school. Um, You know, they feel like they feel like high school is more important, but the reality is they're not going to play the same quality soccer that they would, but you know, the high school is the cooler thing, ironically than the club, you know? So, um, we had multiple girls miss and my daughter, I told her, I said, when it comes down to it, you know, I'm not even letting her make the choice. (laughs) So I told told her it's club all the way. We pay a lot of money.
0: Yeah. I, I could see though, um, you know, for, for somebody like Mary Grace, who's saying, like, the club was, she's ultra competitive, she wants to win, she wants to get better. Like, I can see how there's a sense of relief and, like, like I can play relaxed at the high school level. Um, what Was that a feeling that you had? Was it nice to actually, like, take a break for a bit of the time and go, all right, I don't have to, to have all this stress on me about winning. I can go out, relax, play, have fun, but also I want to win. But like at the end of the day, like as long as I'm getting better, um, I guess that would be the most important thing is, is that what high school was like? Or was it still like a lot of pressure to perform and play well?
1: Um, I think it was still a lot of pressure to play well, just because Some of the teams that the other high schools that we would play would have girls on my travel team on them. So I wanted to play well against my travel teammates. And I also, my high school, um, we had a really good team. We wanted to do well and like play well. So I still felt like there was a lot of pressure from high school games and also just being a high schooler, you want to like have, be on a good team that does well, so.
0: Yeah, there's, there's some pride that, that comes with that. I mean, probably almost more so than a club because the people that you interact with on a daily basis for the most part are at school. Mm-hmm. Um, so you talk about high school, but you know, what was the recruiting process to go to college? What did that look like for you?
1: For me, it was a lot of going to tournaments and then a lot of emailing people <laughs> and just reaching out to coaches saying, hi, I'm interested in your field hockey program and I'm gonna be playing at this tournament here, here, and here. Um, I would like it if you would come watch me play. And then um, I kind of just sent out emails to a bunch of different places and just saw who I heard back from. And then in the summer I would decide which schools I would want to attend summer camps for. And then I would go to those summer camps, talk to the coaches at the summer camps, and then um, figure out what the best option would be.
0: So how did you land on Christopher Newport University?
1: Um, I – we played – my travel team played at a couple tournaments at Christopher Newport, and it's only two hours from Fredericksburg, so it was not a bad distance from home. So I would go to a lot of their clinics and – like recruiting events. And um, I kind of just came to the conclusion that it was the one school where I didn't have to sacrifice anything. I could play, I could ha- get a great education and um, be close to home. And yeah, that,
2: that was the question I was going to ask is where Christopher Newport was. And now that you've answered that, you know, do you like, you like being that close to home?
1: I do. I've, I've come to really like being close to home.
2: So no regret over possibly just moving across the entire country?
1: No, not (laughs) at all.
2: All right. So obviously we're in the middle of a pandemic right now. What is, what is life like at college right now?
1: Right now it's pretty boring. I'm going to be honest. Um, We, luckily we are still practicing and um, I do have two classes that are in person, which is, I'm very grateful for that um, because my other three classes are online and it definitely is not ideal. Yeah, um, no, we've
2: been talking to a lot of athletes and they can't stand going online. I think it's like that for all y'all. You went to college to experience it, right? Not sit in your room. Yeah. So when is, so walk us through your day is, is practice before your classes in the middle of classes? How's that all work?
1: Practice is in the afternoons. We are, I have all my classes in the morning and then I have like a little break and then I have class or practice at three o'clock. And then for right now, our practices are only an hour and 30 minutes long. So it's, everything's been cut short. Um, And we have to be masked the entire time. Mm. Um,
2: Is it hard to breathe?
1: Well, I kind of pull mine down a little bit when I have my (laughs) helmet on, (laughs) but it really hasn't been too bad.
0: Hey, I don't, you have to wear a mask when you're, when you're playing. Mm -hmm. Holy moly.
2: Yeah, that's, uh, that's gotta be tough, but Hey, she's, she's smart. She's got a mask on. So she's taking advantage of every opportunity she's got. So, uh, tell us about what you're studying there. Christopher Newport.
1: I'm studying communications and I'm minoring in leadership and digital humanities.
2: Man, Daniel, that's why these women are coming on here and they sound so much better than us. They're all studying communications. Like we got to find somebody not studying communications so they don't sound better than us.
0: I mean, she's also studying leadership. So like she's going to lead people and then she's going to be able to speak so well and communicate so effectively. Like they're going to just going to follow her. So man, shout out to you. That's, that's awesome. So I know that we spoke before the episode,
2: but for those who don't know, your season obviously was canceled because it was in the fall. You told me that you had eligibility to, to come back, and we know that's a possibility. But if you don't come back and play, and you decide to move on, um, you know what, what's the first what's the first step for you?
1: Um, I'm currently in the process of applying for jobs, um, so I'm probably gonna apply for marketing communications um, type jobs I had an internship this past summer where I did proposal writing um, for a government contracting business so I'm probably going to try and go into that kind of job field
2: that's the smartest thing I hear not even just on this podcast but you know talking to students who go ahead and start doing internships while they're in college, go ahead and get in their foot in the door. So that way, when you graduate college, you're not just looking around like, all right, what do I do next? So um, as far as, you know, you said you were two hours from home, do you, do you go home a lot or do you stay at college for the weekend?
1: Um, I've been home a couple times this semester um, because of COVID, there's not much to do here. So I go home to see my I've gone home to see my parents a couple of times and we just got a new puppy. So I want to see him.
2: <laughs> yeah, I've, I've seen on social media. The puppies got to got to get their pictures in. Yeah. All right. Well, the last question I got for you, and then I'm going to let Daniel uh, host a game with you is, you know. <clears throat> I'm going to I'm going to ask what we we're just talking about, because I'm curious to know if you were to put a percentage on leaning to come back to school to play. Where are you at right now?
1: Uh, I really would love to come back. Um, there's just so many things that I have to consider before I make that decision just because it is a whole nother year of school well a whole nother semester of school that I would have to pay for and um, also CNU doesn't have a master's program that I'm eligible for so I would have to extend my bachelor's degree for another semester when i'm on time to graduate so it's good it would be hard to figure out but i gotcha. really would love to say i don't know if i can give you exact percentage because
2: once you
0: leave there you got to be a grown-up
1: i know i don't want to leave
0: <laughs> Shoot, i don't know money money sounds good though i'll say that so i i googled some pictures of cnu and it's awesome. It's beautiful. Like it, it reminds me like of, I don't know, like it's what I would typically think of a Virginia college to look like very like regal and prestigious. And, um, so is, is it a big school or is it a school that's small and you kind of know everyone there?
1: It's pretty small. Um, I think it's about like 5,000 students. So not really, Big at all, um, but I love it because you every class you have, there's a chance you might know one or two people, and especially as you get older, you recognize people on campus all the time, and especially within the athletics programs, everyone knows everyone on the sports team, so it's definitely like a community within all the athletes. It's
0: great. It's nice. It's it's almost uh, a family away from your family, so. You know, you look out for each other, you take care of each other. And, you know, especially now, it's it's crazy. Um, so keeping everybody motivated, keeping everybody basically sane um, is probably helpful, you know, in, in, that, in that realm. But, you know, I, I feel like we learned a lot. Field hockey, you know, I, I'm blown away just, you know, the level of athleticism and skills that it takes to actually be a field hockey player. But also in the fact, like, it's a sport that is just as difficult as any other, if not more difficult to move on to the next level. So, you know, I I just congratulate you and and give you a shout out. Like that's, that's good stuff. Anytime you can play a sport at the next level, like you, you're a rock star. So, you know, keep doing your thing. And, you know, uh, we look forward to more chats with you. I know what, with the connection you and Jim have, I, I we could probably get you on the line pretty quickly, I would imagine. So before you roll out of here and go do what college kids do, I wanna play a little game called this or that. You down?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right, so it's very simple. I give you two options and the only rules are you can't say both and you can't say neither. You have to choose one. All right, so the first question. Would you rather have great hair or a great smile? You can only have one.
1: Mm. Great smile.
0: Why? I think I know why, but but why?
1: I think a smile is one of the first things that people pay attention to when they look at you. That's way better than having great hair.
0: True, true, I, I like that. I was gonna say, well, if you're spending a lot of time playing field hockey you have as at the goal you have a helmet on and a mask so like Mm -hmm. you don't even see your hair most of the time so
1: yeah
0: um would you rather text or call you personally
1: i personally would rather call because i'm horrible at texting people i never i'll see a text and i'll read it and then i'll forget to respond so i would much rather call and have a conversation with someone
0: great answer i'm the same way i'm the same way i'm not a big texter but um i'll get into group text and like i won't even respond and people are like probably think that i'm not even listening or paying Mm -hmm. attention or wondering why i'm even in the group thread if if i'm not going to respond but i don't know something about calling it's just easier to ask and say what you need to do as opposed to just like, I like to hear the emotion. I don't like to have to, like, decipher emotion through word, through what you text. So would you rather get asked on a date through social media or DMs, or would you rather be asked face-to-face?
1: I would much rather be asked face-to-face. Um, I think if someone asked me over social media, I'd probably find it creepy. <laughs> Uh, especially if I don't know them
2: I mean Daniel I hope the men listening every female athlete has made it clear face to face (laughs) you know they don't they don't want the
0: dms at all every every male athlete has said dms and social media every female athlete (laughs) says face to face so I'm convinced that no male athletes date female athletes You know,
2: but we we started that question after Cameron James. I'd like to know his answer because, you know, he's such a good-looking dude. I I find it hard to believe he don't ask face-to-face.
0: I don't know. I would like to be a fly on the wall because I I feel like sometimes they might tell us what they think we want to hear and not what the actual truth is because I would guess that they've all asked over social media at least once. Because I think guys, I don't know, Mary Grace, you could could probably, you know, give more input to this than I could, but I feel like guys are more prone to not wanting to accept rejection. So it's easier (laughs) over a text or social media or a DM to get a no or a no reply as opposed to going to someone face to face and getting immediate feedback. Um
1: probably true (laughs) and she's
0: got hey look and she seems so nice and
2: she's got that smile i bet someone's asked her face to face and she let them down so gently daniel she's like
0: oh i'm sorry i'm just not interested she's a communications major she knows how to she knows how to package that no with a ribbon and a bow (laughs) so so would you rather have if you had to pick one for the rest of your life would it be cookies or brownies cookies cookies there's so
1: many different kinds
0: what's your favorite type of cookie
1: uh the white chocolate chip macadamia nut
0: good answer good answer if you could get rid of one color would it be red or would it be blue
1: that's hard i really like red but i probably have to get rid of red
0: why red if you like it so much why red
1: I would have to get rid of it because blue is just a better color. Water's blue, the sky's blue.
0: Her team is blue.
1: She is blue. <laughs> All
0: right. So if if you're anything like I was in college being an athlete, 90% of your wardrobe says whatever school and some type of athletics on it.
1: Yep, I'm wearing a shirt right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you couldn't get rid of blue, you have to keep blue. Yeah. All right, so um, would you, now this is what I call the money question, because this is a question that we ask everyone, and it varies from person to person, and it varies from how old you are. So the question is, would you rather have money, or would you rather have friends?
1: Well, right now, I don't have any money, so... (laughs) And I have friends and I wouldn't give up my friends. So definitely friends.
0: So the younger people that we talk to, um, college kids are all about friends. Everyone that is a high school grad getting ready to enter college or just enter college says friends, but everyone that is Gemini's age and you know, out of college, all says money. <laughs> um, cause I'm taking the money. Let's go. <laughs> Shoot, I got a kid and I got bills, so bring me some money. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't see Jim's my friend, but I don't see him giving me any money, so I need that money. All right, would you rather go back in the past or fast forward to the future?
1: Ah, oh, that's a hard one. Probably go back in the past. Why? I had a great childhood. And I, I had a great high school experience. And I've loved every year of college so far. So I, I would love to do it all over again.
0: So uh, this isn't a question. This is me just, you know, just an impromptu question on the spot. So if you would go back to the past, what would you change? Would you do anything differently? Knowing what you know now, would you do anything? Well, She'd
2: come see your cousin Jim more. That's the answer.
1: <laughs> I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I probably would have um, tried a little bit harder in my freshman year year of college chemistry class but other than that I can't think of anything <laughs> Wait, he,
0: I mean you didn't want to know about moles and density and volume and all that no. good stuff <laughs> I don't blame you
2: that sounds awful now really? I gotta now Daniel now I gotta ask the question you know what did your grade end up being in that class because clearly you want to go back and change
1: it <laughs> I ended up retaking the class
2: Oof. wow <laughs> did you did you but drop I,
1: it
2: or i did dropped
1: you? it um and she's, then I, yeah
2: she's gonna so. be on a job interview and they're gonna look
0: back in there and they're gonna say what happened in freshman year in chemistry this, this is what they're gonna say nope because it's gonna be dropped and it's not even gonna be on that transcript it's gonna say chem one
1: whatever she now. i passed yeah, it
0: that's all that matters because you know there's some some people that i know will tell you c's our degrees so (laughs) just keep that in mind all right last question and it's a big one all right before we get you out of here would you rather be funny or would you rather be smart and when I say smart I mean like overly intelligent like not just yeah I got A's and B's but like no like up there up there
1: how funny do I get to be
0: is as, as, as fun. <laughs> who, who do you think the funniest person is, and you're funnier than them?
1: Oh, I don't even know who the funniest person is. I don't know. I think I would probably rather be smart.
0: I think so. I think smart's the way to go because I, I, I think when you're smart, you can figure out how to be funny
1: mm-hmm.
0: long enough for people to think that you're funny. <laughs> yeah. That's all we got, so I'm going to take you off the hot seat, and I always ask every guest, is there anything that you want to plug or anything that you want to promote? Um, you know we get anything from social media handles, how you can be followed, your your sports season, your schedule, upcoming games we You've get nonprofits, nonprofits, <laughs> charities, or things that people just you know feel strongly or have a lot of passion for so anything you want to plug or promote.
1: Um, not that I can think of.
0: Well, hey, and some people <laughs> say that too. Um, you know, it's it's kind of a spotty question. We put you on the spot and, and I just, I just think it's fair to, to give you the opportunity because um, this is a platform that we get your voice out there. We get what you believe in and what you feel. And, you know, it, I think we would be doing a disservice if we didn't offer you that, that opportunity. So, um, you know, I want to I thank you, first and foremost, for, for being on the show. I want to wish you all the best. I know that wearing a mask on top of a mask is <laughs> is really not the way that you probably wanted to go about the season, but I guess it's a small sacrifice if that's what they say you got to do. So, you know, keep doing what you're doing, you know, we wish you the best of luck if we can. You know, advertise or market or get anything out there for you. Please let us know, and uh, I hope that you come back and be on the show and, and educate us some more.
1: Thank you guys so much for having me.
0: Yeah, no problem. So, Jim, anything before before she cuts out of here?
2: No, she she didn't surprise me a little bit. If you know my uncle Pete and Aunt Sharon, they're sharp, and she just resembles them. She got the she got the same smile. She's got the same intelligence. So. Not shocked at all. I'm ve- I'm very happy with getting to uh, display her character tonight. So
0: Uncle Pete, Aunt Sharon, Mary Grace, Jim is just trying to solidify a meal during Thanksgiving. So <laughs> don't don't be fooled. Um, no, I I joke, but you know we wish you all the best. We we're gonna let you get out of here and go do what you got to do, whether it be homework or or watch some Bachelorette or whatever it is. So. Uh, thank you again, and we're going to take a quick break. We're going to plug some sponsors. When we come back, Jim and I got some headlines for you. Yo, welcome back to the End Off the Bench podcast. We got headlines for you. And, Jim, we're going to lead off with Major League Baseball. The Dodgers, man, they're currently three games to two. They're one game away from you know, winning it all. Uh, I think this is where everybody – you know, at least Vegas thought they would be um, me as a Rays fan. I still have a lot of hope um, for tomorrow night's game and, and ultimately uh, for a game seven to be played. But I will say this, Jim, you know, with the Dodgers it, is Kershaw getting rid of that, that, that aura that surrounds him about not being able to win the big one. Now that he's had two or actually three big time starts.
2: Yeah, I believe he is, and unfortunately, it's coming at the expense of he keeps beating Glass now, who I felt like was the best story coming in. But I told you last week that Clayton Kershaw is a great person of character, and he's an excellent pitcher. So, you know, good for him. At the end of the day, you know, the rest of the Dodgers, you know, whether you like him or not, um, he's the one that if you you had to pick somebody to root for, it's got to be that guy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, those guys have been on the brink and they, you know, arguably, you know, were cheated out of a World Series, whether they would have won it without the cheating or not. Who knows? Um, But I think for them, I mean, it says a lot about their squad, their team to be able to battle back through that and come back and, and be a top level competitive team and put themselves in the mix for so many years in a row. So, I mean, that's, that's something to be said. I mean, obviously the payroll that they have is helpful. Um, but payroll always doesn't always win championships or win games. So it, it's, this is a good series. i you know, if, if the Rays were going to lose to anybody, I guess losing to the Dodgers is all right, but I will say this on the race front. Um, and I'll tell anybody this, don't sleep on the race. If you think this series is over, um, I I think you're going to be sadly mistaken because I I don't think that they're a team that just rolls over and quits. Well, everybody, the experts had it ending in five, so
2: they've already proved that they were doubted and that they could make it more. And to be honest, when we picked this, I picked it in seven. I never – thought it would be easy. And you look at the, lot, the lineup of the Dodgers, they're hitting just like we knew they possibly could. So it's not a surprise, but we watched the race. You look at the last series against Houston. I mean, when they gave up the, the 3-0 lead and it got to 3-3, they could have they buckled in and just folded their cards, but they didn't. And they fought through the adversity. And so now it's a little bit different of a situation, but they got to dig deep again. And find a way to battle back and, and take this thing.
0: Yeah, and I think tomorrow night when you when you look who's on the mound, um, based off the the previous game, I think Blake Snell has definitely the advantage. He's won a Cy Young before. He pitched, you know, well in his in, in the game in this first game that he pitched in the series and he hasn't been the sharpest guy, but he's been able to get the job done. So I I'm hopeful. And I, you know, out of anybody that you could have asked to be on the mound for the raise in a a must win game, this is, this is a guy, him, and then followed up with Charlie Morton, you know, Charlie Morton had a rough outing. um, But, you know, you're playing the best of the best and, and, you know, there's something to be said about, you know, guys bouncing back and being able to figure it out and, and doing well. And I think, uh, Blake Snell is just just going to show you everything that that you know he his build was like he was the next young winner for a reason. I think he's going to bring it tomorrow. I think he's going to have three pitches working. I think he's going to be cruising. And the big thing that the Rays have to do is they have to jump out early. They cannot get behind early. They must score early and they must score often. Um, you know, last night's game was one where people are putting a lot of blame on Margot for stealing home with two outs and how, you know, nobody told him to do it. It was a bonehead move, but you can't, you can't overlook the fact that the Rays had guys on first and third uh, with no outs. They had a pop-up, a strikeout, and then the steal of home where he was called out ends the inning. Like that's, that's a a rough inning. Um, So you know, it's one of those things. It's high risk, high reward. If he, if he steals and he makes it like he's probably changing the outlook and the momentum for the game, but being thrown out, like you see, it it swings the other way. So hopefully, you know, they come back ready to rock and roll tomorrow. Um, But I'll, I'll ask you, Jim, three to two Dodgers, who you got?
2: I have not, wavered yet and i'm not going to and if for any reason the way game four went tells me that just possibly this Rays team when you look at the way this roster has came together when you look at the financial aspect of it and just the way that they play analytically that this could be a team of destiny and so like you said don't sleep on them i'm gonna stick with them i'm not gonna bow out because they're down so give me the raise
0: still Hey, I, at some point, a team in this series, a team has to win, um, in my opinion, not that it always works out this way, but it's somebody has to win two games in a row to give themselves a, a, an edge. It just so happens that in order to win it all, Tampa Bay has to win two in a row, which is something that they've done many times throughout the season. So hopefully – they just treat it as business as usual. They go out, they don't swing at bad pitches. They force, um, force the Dodgers pitchers to throw in the zone and they put guys on base and, and get hits with runners in position uh, and don't rely, even though the home runs are great, but don't rely on the home runs to win the game and keep you in the game. So, you know, with that, let's, let's move on to NFL. It was uh uh, I don't know. It was it was a good week of NFL action. Um, not overly crazy, you know. My team lost. Your team won. It, it, you know, it it seems like the same song and dance from last week. But you know, let's start with the AFC. You know, give me the breakdown of of the AFC from this week. So the big matchup
2: and the game lived up to the hype. It didn't look like it was going to. The Steelers jumped all over the Titans early, but I honestly thought watching that game unfold that the Titans were fixing to come back just like they had done the previous week on Houston, but even with a loss by the Titans, because, you know, it came down to a kick. I think they showed that they really are a true contender. The Steelers showed that they're a legit six and O team. You know, Mike Tomlin leading that, leading that team, excellent coach. So, you know, we learned a lot, but, Overall, we learned that those two teams are going to be in the mix when you talk about the AFC. A team that took a step back, as we're talking about teams stepping forward, I don't know what's going on with the Bills. You know, we both were on that train. We said that we thought that they could take a step forward and possibly, you know, give the Chiefs a run for their money. And right now, they're lucky they're in the division they're in, right? I mean, they had six field goals. You know, you got fantasy players on Buffalo. They couldn't get a touchdown.
0: Yeah I mean, I do think the Jets are that quirky matchup that like they they're not gonna win the game, but they're they're a team that can sometimes cause problems from good teams. Um, and I think Buffalo ran into that this weekend, you know, but I, I'll ask you, I, I feel as though the the, the AFC is swinging towards that north division being the best division and then you know if it wasn't for you know Kansas City just being who they are and the defending super bowl champs i mean you could you could arguably say that you know and i hate to say this that that pittsburgh baltimore cleveland you know, those three teams are, are playing, you know, as good as anybody well, right and now. if you want to stay in that division,
2: you know, one of the things that's unfortunate is Joe Burrow and that Cincinnati offense has been amazing. Unfortunately, the defense has not. But I say that to say, you know, they're the bottom of that division. And if for the sake of the argument they were in the AFC East, I think they'd be contending for that crown. Like, I mean, they got a bright future ahead. If they can get him some protection and build that defense – like Joe is is doing his thing and I mean Boyd and Higgins like that's that's a good team and it's unfortunate they're in that division because you know the road only gets tougher as they continue to play those teams week in and week out
0: yeah um so before we leave the AFC I'll ask you this so You talked about the Steelers and the Titans, you know, them really solidifying themselves as as not really one being better than the other. Yes, the Steelers won, the Steelers are undefeated, but I think they more so solidified themselves as a legitimate contender to win it all. Like, I think that game was, it showed absolutely everything that you like to see. You show a team dominant, You show a team fighting adversity coming back. And, I mean, not that they ended up winning, but I think if the Titans had three more minutes or an overtime, I think they would have won that game. Well, and you got to remember, last year that
2: Titans team was in the AFC championship, and they did have the lead on Kansas City. So they were just there, and I thought they'd take a step back, but I think they've actually taken a step forward, specifically Tannehill, Obviously, A.J. Brown has become a monster, and then Henry is, is who he is. He's, you know, he's a runaway train. So, yeah, the, the Titans are good, and the Steelers, that defense, they they gave up in the second half a lot of yards and points, but if they played it like they did that first half, that's a team that, you know, can definitely compete with Kansas City because that's that's the key, right? It's one way or the other. Obviously, you got to be able to put up points with them, which I don't really know that anybody can do. So it's going to come down to defensively who can, who can stop them in that Pittsburgh defense as far as for a good portion of that game looked like the team that could do it. The, the Browns, since, you know, I didn't really bring them up uh, other than the fact you brought up the division, it was against Cincinnati. It was against a bad defense. So even though they are my sleeper pick, I'm not too optimistic. And then the OBJ injury, even though they managed to get it done without them, you're going to need a guy like that, even if it's just for decoy purposes down the stretch.
0: I didn't bring up the Browns, but now, now that you're talking about OBJ, he's had a real, one really good game, but he hasn't done anything that is worthy of the hype that he has garnered. So, and really he's been, you could arguably say he's been more of a distraction at every team than actual help. Um, You know, so, So I'll ask you this. Are they better without him?
2: I mean, I wouldn't say better without him because he is somebody, like I said, that just draws attention. But you can go back – you can ask anybody that talks LSU football with me for a long time, go back to when I was in Death Valley watching him and Jarvis Landry play, and I said Jarvis Landry was better. I said when they got to Cleveland, I said Jarvis Landry was better because he's all about business right he doesn't do all the showboat and stuff he's not all in the media and at the end of the day he just works his tail off and so that's the guy that's that's key right so when you ask me that question I don't think they're better but if you were going to have to lose somebody I'd rather lose him than Landry the guy who's going to get me a whole bunch of catches underneath and in the middle and and get the, the yards after the catch and be more reliable and not be all worried about how he's perceived in the public.
0: So what about the so, NFC? Um, you know, there, there's a few, you know, good games. I mean, there was a, some, I mean, the bucks, you know, played the AFC Raiders, but um, break it down for me. Who had a good week? Who had a bad week?
2: Well, the, the Bucks. since you brought it up, the reason why I think it's a good week is I think the Raiders are, a pretty solid team. You know, not over the top, but they look really good against the Saints. They obviously beat the Chiefs. And so I don't think that's just a, um, a gimme win. And the way that they put it on them like that, especially after coming off the way they did Green Bay, it really seems like Tampa Bay's putting it together. And as a Saints fan, that's clearly scary. The Saints continue to win, but not in a pretty manner. I mean, they're just getting by teams. Um, it's not Breeze. It is the lack of weapons. You know, they didn't have Sanders because of COVID, didn't have Thomas because he's hurt again. Um, he keeps saying that the rumors aren't true. Sean Payton keeps saying the rumors aren't true as well about the trade thing. But if it's not true, then why is a whole bunch of other media members saying it? I think they're trying to keep it under wraps that there's a possibility of it. And, you know, him getting hurt again, all the controversies in the locker room, I wouldn't put it past being a possibility, but the way that offense has looked, you clearly need him. I mean, he's put up the stats the last few years. You paid him that money for a reason, and you can only lean on Alvin Kamara so much. But what what, what can you do with him?
0: Like,
2: I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, if he's put up those kind of stats and you're willing to come off of him, it says a lot, right? It's kind of like the Antonio Brown thing, like – You kind of don't want to touch somebody like that that's toxic. So it's interesting. I mean, he needs to right the ship. This team can contend if he comes back and plays the way we know he's capable of. So, But I don't know what they're supposed to do with it. And right now, the two leading receivers this past week were the punt returner and the kick returner who got moved to offense. And while it was great to see them do that, when you start playing against top-notch defenses, that's not going to work. So they're going to have to fix that. Uh, Green Bay took care of business um, against a bad team, um, so they they bounced back after the Tampa Bay loss. The obvious big game was Seattle Arizona. Daniel, the greatest play of the year, I don't care, and they didn't they didn't win the game, but DK Metcalf, almost 23 miles an hour. But it wasn't just how fast he was. My wife was watching with me in real time, and we watched it back so many times. He lowers his head and just starts pumping those big muscular arms. And it's like, I mean, it's something out of a movie, man. This dude, it looks like, you know, dinosaur chasing a human. Like, he's huge. He's fast. And, I mean, just hawk dude down. And it was beautiful. And the thing about it was Arizona ended up deciding to go for it on fourth down and turned it over on down. So, he saved a legitimate six. They got no points out of it. It's unfortunate that it didn't matter in the, the grand scheme of things of the game. But that that was – oh, man, that, it'll be hard for a play to beat that. And then he takes his helmet off. And, you know, we started this podcast with The Last Dance, and that was really where my wife got to know who Dennis Rodman was. And so when he takes his helmet off and he's got colorful hair and, and the long chain earrings, she's like, he looks like Dennis Rodman. And I was like, that just makes it that much better. So, like, as I would like to say – That's what's up. That that is what's up. But shout out to Arizona, man. They, you know, they took care of the opportunities that Seattle provided them. They made mistakes. Russell Wilson made very uncharacteristic mistakes. And here Arizona finds himself five and two. I still wouldn't put them as a contender. Their defense isn't that great. Tyler Lockett absolutely ate them up. I know um, you probably have a sour taste in your mouth for Tyler Lockett. We'll talk about that in a minute. But – Yeah, uh, Arizona, Kyler Murray's better, I'll say this, nothing better than when I have to be humble on air. I did not think Kyler Murray was going to be good in the NFL, and I couldn't be
0: more wrong. Well, and and I'll I'll tell you this, I, I think a lot of it has to do with the coach and the scheme and just the offense that they play. He's allowed to do a lot of things that are in his wheelhouse. Um, and I think with a young quarterback, that's important to let those guys do those things. Because obviously he will have to change the way he plays at some point. But right now, like let him be successful doing what he's good at and then learn what he needs to do in the process because you know they're a very young team, and I, I think that you know they have what Fitzgerald who's probably the oldest guy probably in the league but the most veteran leadership guy absolutely so when you bring him with the experience that he does like and not only is he experienced but he's he's still a, a good player right and you know I said the DK thing was the best thing of the week
2: but you know the second best thing and I've seen it actually trending on Twitter when the Cardinals were putting that last drive together to send it to overtime. Larry kept going and grabbing the ball and hustling and running it to the the center of the field for the center to snap it and then going back to his position. He did it like four plays in a row. Talk about just an IQ of a veteran and the hustle and the effort. Like, dude, put that guy on my team for real. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Um, so let's talk about some disappointments. I mean, we, we hit, we hit the big stories. We talked about the saints and Michael Thomas and the drama that's going there. We talked about the bucks, you know, you know, continuing to to figure it out. It looked like Chris Godwin was, was getting closer to, to back to form. Uh, the Cardinals, the Steelers, We talked about the Browns, you know, winning, but OBJ being out. We talked about some of those surprises that we saw, but you know, I, I'll, I'll tell you like, it's not so much the fact that the Cowboys lost, but it's just when I look on ESPN and there's a story about Mike Nolan and Tabasco sauce in his eye, like of all the shit that happened in that game and all the shit that has happened, that's the one story that we feel like it it takes precedent. And I know it's not on the Cowboys, but that's the shit that bothers me. Like, Your backup quarterback just got knocked out of the game and probably won't play this week. And you're talking about a guy who's a diehard Cowboys fan. And I can't even, I I couldn't even list you who their third string quarterback was. Yeah, it was like Danucci or something. But I'll say
2: this on that. It was a
0: guy, and I read about him, but prior to the game, I couldn't tell you. It was a guy that they just signed like. He was going
2: home. Like, well, Let me ask you this, Daniel, because I couldn't believe I was listening to the radio when the NFL handed down that there would be no suspension for that hit. I mean, you know me. I got no love for the Cowboys, but that's, that's bull, man. That, that's, as they said, that's in the Vontez perfect zone.
0: Yeah, I mean, and what's, what's even more disheartening is that the organization is saying zero to fight for their guy which like if that's not your guy great like but now he's forced to be your guy and you paid him the money for this specific situation if it came up and here we are and now now you're not fighting for your guy you're not saying nothing you don't have his back like that's that's bullshit
2: you know i read an interesting story daniel and it's not something that's happening but you know how much you would probably enjoy this but with Fitzpatrick making it kind of obvious that he was not happy about the decision in Miami what Dallas could maybe do to get him there
0: right now you know that be something you're interested in anybody that can throw the ball down the (laughs) field to a receiver and complete passes for four yards or greater I'm four.
2: So you would be absolutely stoked. You'd be all about the Fitz magic. Uh,
0: to be honest, I would, I would entertain the idea of calling the Saints and, and getting Jameis.
2: What about Taysom Hill?
0: <laughs> Either one. But here's the problem is that I don't think Taysom or Jameis are guys that you can plug into an offense. I think Fitzpatrick is a guy that you can plug in into any offense and he can quickly be competitive. I think Jameis is a prep guy that needs time. I think Taysom is probably being so like, you know, used in multiple facets with the Saints. Like, I don't think he he could they could even give up, give him up. Um, I don't know a single backup quarterback in the league that that they could go for right now. I just I just don't. So like, we might be stuck with Kellen Moore coming back out so let me ask you this i mean i don't even think it's worth
2: discussion or debate the the nfc east is the this year is the worst division we've ever seen in our lifetime in football correct yes absolutely and the, the reality is it makes me salty going back to when the saints in was it 2013 man if randy if randy was here he'd remember it because it's the it's the game that Marshawn lynch Since Tracy Porter, um, he shot – you know what? It was 2011. I should know that because it was after Tracy Porter was the hero with the pick six on Peyton Manning. And so that's why he enjoyed it so much. But Marshawn Lynch shot put him with a stiff arm like 15 yards backwards. And anyway, that that was his coming out party. But the point of bringing up that game was Seattle finished the season seven and nine and New Orleans finished 11-5, and five and we had to go there. And I bring that up because you know the Saints struggle on the road. So, let's say Tampa Bay takes the division, and New Orleans has got to go on the road. Man, even if Philly isn't that good, for the sake of the argument, if it's Philly or Washington, like, that's not a place that New Orleans typically
0: does well at. So, uh, hey, I think we're we always – we've always been in the – agreement that everybody has a chance if you make it anybody in the playoffs has a chance if you make it but this isn't
2: like the the green bay or the giants teams who came in as a seed, but they were red hot when they came in i can't see any of those teams turning it around like that somebody's just going to get in and if they win it's just i mean it's unlucky for the other team they either had a very bad day or that team just found a way to win one game because there's no way i could see any kind of i mean i watched that that giants philly game and it was like they were both trying to lose right like
0: neither of them wanted to win yeah I, I it's unbelievable to me as much as disappointed as i am as a cowboys fan right now to still think that they still have a <laughs> shot to to win the division but I think um, consensus is, right, like from
2: the Cowboys fans other than you that I've talked to, y'all would rather just go ahead and get that high draft pick and call it a day instead of putting yourself through this misery of hoping and wishing that you can make
0: the playoffs. No, I always want to win. I want to. <laughs> I wanna, you want. Uh, you
2: don't want Trevor Lawrence? <laughs> no, look, that was he, the discussion today on the he radio. Would, he wouldn't
0: make – like we would, we would have to – Go. We would have to draft number one, and
2: that's what they were saying on the radio this morning. They asked Keyshawn Johnson about it. They said, "Wouldn't it be a Cowboys thing to do, to to use your high draft pick when you have Dak coming back if you want him on a quarterback, and then and then have that drama in your locker room?"
0: I mean, it, it, it's a cowboy thing to do. Yes, from the media circus and the the notoriety of having a story standpoint but if they did that like they are dumber than i thought they were so i I don't want to get hung up on them i'll ask you this in two weeks the saints and the bucks play again if the saint is that a must-win game for the saints to let's let's just put it this way not so much to be in the playoffs but to win that that division
2: No, because the Saints have a favorable schedule along the way. So I'm going to say no, that they have some opportunity. But the way Tampa's playing right now, I think you definitely don't want to give them any kind of belief that it is theirs. In other words, go in there and get housed the way they've been winning these last couple games. But, I mean, let me ask you this. With New Orleans already beating them once and having a tiebreaker, is it a must win on the other side? Because New Orleans' schedule does get favorable.
0: No, and that's only because the Bucs are playing better and better each week after a loss to the Saints.
2: Yeah, um, I think this week, because you just kind of touched on it. I mean, when you got the addition of Godwin back healthy and then – you're talking about Brown, but that's, that's, the, that's the looming question, right? Though does, does Brown break up chemistry?
0: It's going to be to, to be determined.
2: Uh, I don't think they need him. Based upon the last couple games, I know it sounds stupid to say, but when you look at Gronk's reemergence and you look at Godwin being healthy, like, look at, look at it right now, Mike Evans is hardly getting the ball. How's that going to work when you add A-B in the mix? So, let's say A-B starts getting the targets,
0: targets. Mike Evans is clearly going to be pissed off. Well, here's going to be the the telling point is when AB's on finally gets on the field, Mike Evans is getting the ball and scoring touchdowns, Chris Godwin's getting the ball and scoring touchdowns, Ronald Jones is getting checked downs and running the ball for touchdowns, but Antonio Brown is not getting anything. Then what? I mean, I don't think he's going to be first. I think, obviously, right now, Gronk's first. Well, right? it's to be... To be honest, I, I don't see how he just comes in and starts. I, well, I don't foresee him getting a whole lot of snaps
2: in the beginning. Is begin- it going to be kind of like the way this on Bell thing's broke so far? He's hardly got to even do anything. It was a big story, but it's still Clyde's show, and then Daryl Williams getting his, his
0: turns. I, I think it has to be like that because you're winning. Like, Why break up what's working? If someone gets hurt or something you know, isn't going right or there's a certain scheme that you want to put in and Antonio Brown gives you a favorable um, position to do that, then yeah, by all means. But I don't think plugging him into the mix and forcing him to be a main performer on that offense is, is going to do you any favors right now. Yeah, well, and I may say, come. I may I may come back and bite me, and I may have to, you know, you know, eat crow on that. But like, the guy hasn't stepped foot on the field in a long time. Well, I'll will t- tell you this: the last thing in regards
2: to that game that you know you asked me about, I don't see any way with the way the Saints defense is playing right now, and the way the Bucks offense is playing right now, that the Saints win that game right now. Like I said you know it's just two weeks things can change but the way the Saints defense is playing is not very good and when you look at the way that the Bucks are throwing them numbers I, that game is very favorable I'll be interested to see the spread but even if they had the same record or obviously the Bucks have played one more game didn't have the bye week I could still see them being a six seven point favorite and not be surprised at all is
0: Michael Thomas playing by then
2: as of right now, it's he's supposed to, but he was supposed to play last week and the week before, before. And week four. <laughs> like, look, like, I'm not. And then, you know, I thought we were getting Sanders back this upcoming week. I didn't. I mean, they're taking the COVID protocol for real. They're making him miss
0: two games. Hey, it is what it is. At least they're playing and they're winning. So, all right, let's move on. NC NCAA football. We had Big Ten open up this weekend. Ohio State, um, once again does what ohio state does just putting it on nebraska you had michigan actually like play you know one of the better teams in minnesota and they seem to be pretty dominant um but then there's indiana and jim i'm gonna leave this open for you to to talk about um actually i'm gonna call it what it is like i i I want your rant Uh, give it to me penn state indiana give me the ref rant like because I I know you're going to give it to me, so I want to just give you the opportunity to do it. So you got two minutes to just lay it out there.
2: This isn't just a real-time mistake. They got five minutes that they looked at this and somehow came out with the conclusion that he broke the plane in the pylon with that ball. When I watched the replay a thousand times and it clearly hits that grass before the pylon first, and then – you know, maybe I'm just crazy. Maybe I need my eyes checked. No, I listened and watched and read Twitter and watched every show. And there I've yet to – I don't even think the Indiana coach believed it was a touchdown. He, you know, he ducked the question. I have yet to find anyone who thought that was a touchdown. So, with that, how do the refs mess this up? This is worse than what happened in New Orleans. It just wasn't as big of a game, right? This is just a, a season opener, so it wasn't the NFC Championship. But this is this is a bigger missed call than that. This, if I'm pissed, state I'm pissed. I think the reality. I mean, it's is,
0: a it's a significant game for Penn, yeah, Penn State. Yeah, it takes them
2: out of possibly the national title mix easily right out the like, gate.
0: Well, here's the one downside to starting when they did and only playing the games that they're playing is a game like this. You lose a game like this, it significantly hurts your chances of being in the playoff.
2: Let me ask you a question real quick because it's something that my wife said. You know, and we're X amount of years removed from the Penn State scandal, but she said they deserve it, right? And are we past the point of wishing ill will on Penn State, or is it still like because it was such a disgusting thing that was covered up there that you just kind of still like, I could care less if they win?
0: I, I don't think the players and the coaches there deserve – the blowback of what happened before they were
2: there i agree but nevertheless they chose that school that had that kind of history
0: see that's that's the thing you could look at any school and go why would you choose that school because there's a lot of like baylor right like was it the player like was it the player's fault that they were given an opportunity to do something louisville was it Louisville basketball's fault. Which
2: I'll say this in regards to Penn State and Baylor. The way that those both those programs rebuilt after that is, I mean, you got to applaud um, the AD for getting the right coach and the coaches to be able to get kids to commence. But I feel like it is enough years removed. I didn't sit there and agree with her, but I could see why anybody would say that, especially someone like her, like her that's not as big of a fan. So something like that would still resonate and stick out to her.
0: I mean – how long ago did it happen
2: man i'm trying to think i i feel like it's probably been like 10 years by now so the kids like like
0: if you're a freshman at penn state you were eight or nine years old come on now come
2: on but you're yeah. you're also talking about the the person who's at the forefront of you know um, fighting all the the human trafficking and abortion and everything else so
0: like it's another one of those hot topic issues right so i hear you i don't condone the the act but i'm not gonna hold someone who's trying to better their life and go to college and just because they're good at football and they have the opportunity to play for penn state i'm not gonna hold it against them that they choose right no i agree with you but i so I still see it, but it's, it's eight years ago. I looked it up. So, yeah, it's
2: time to move on. But So, they didn't deserve that. Um, the coach, I felt like, handled himself really well in regards to it. He said he hadn't seen it, um, whether that was true or not. He I know he saw it on the field. I know he probably saw the replay a million times just like we did. So, he handled himself well. You know how I would have handled it. <laughs> so, so, good for him. And, you know, they got to move on. I think the interesting story um, that might be – under the radar as far as the Big Ten is COVID has showed its ugly head. Have you heard about that? No. So, yeah, um, let me let me confirm as, as I talk about it. Um, Wisconsin has cases to where they're going to be missing valuable players. And so in that schedule – I think I
0: did hear about this. Yeah, and in that schedule, yeah,
2: right. And so they had – but they had multiple. This wasn't just, you know, some of these teams have gotten lucky and it's been not as significant of players. Um, These are big-time players. And in that time period would be when they play Ohio State.
0: Mm. So, yeah, Graham Mertz, the quarterback at Wisconsin. Um, The Wisconsin will visit Nebraska and then host – purdue and then travels to michigan and that's its next three games so you mean to tell me that he's gonna miss a minimum of 21 days
2: that's the rule 21 days it's, i couldn't remember what it was and then you just said it what it wasn't ohio state it was michigan that's right okay so
0: yeah it was 21 days though so I wonder if that's the rule for all of college football or is it conference dependent upon like – It makes me wonder because I just told you
2: I was surprised by how long Emmanuel Sanders was out for the Saints. I mean, it seems like there's a rule. You know, I always thought it was like the 10- to 14-day thing, but clearly it's not for for the Saints or the Big Ten. So I don't know. I'd have to look at what happened in Florida, right? Um, they haven't taken the field yet, so – Maybe it is that long because they still haven't taken the field.
0: But so let's let's look at Memphis. So Memphis didn't play for 28 days, correct? But I I think that was because there was continual positive tests happening. I don't think it was because any one player tested positive and they had a minimum of 21 days. I feel like if they tested and then they missed or they canceled the first game and everyone was fine, I think they would have played that next week. True. I feel like on the radio, everyone was saying, well, they might may or not play. What are we going to do? They're talking about pushing the game back. They're talking about postponing it. And then they end up not playing. Well,
2: it. I know this. Uh, to, to touch on that, let's to, go ahead and jump on that. Memphis, after watching SMU and watching Memphis these last couple weeks, there's no doubt in my mind that COVID is the reason why Memphis isn't undefeated. Like there's no, there's no bones about it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't care. It's it's, coaches will probably have coach speak and, and tell you like, it wouldn't matter. And they should have been, they should have won the game. And yeah, I I do agree that Memphis should have won that game, but, if you told me – if you and I think when we talked about it on the podcast, I think I predicted them to lose because because it's hard. So you asked hard. me
2: to walk you off the ledge because you felt yep. like going into that game, just whether it was the players missing or the time off from practice or playing games that you just didn't see them coming in there and being sharp. And sure enough, you look at the way that first half of that game went, they were anything but, and it was exactly like you thought it would be.
0: But, you know, with that, you know – we'll 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 move off the big 10 and move off the rant and we'll just talk about some teams that had had some good wins and you know Memphis's next game is against Cincinnati and like I don't want to discredit SM or Cincinnati's win against SMU because we lost but they they put it on them like it wasn't like you know, I think Cincinnati's defense is really good. I don't know how great or how stellar their offense is, but I do know, like, their – SMU's offense is not one to to turn your nose up at. They're, they put points on the board. Well, I'll put it to you like this. When you look at the
2: stat line, Ritter for Cincinnati only threw for 128 yards and they put up 42 points. However, they ran all over them, so – I actually think that works well for Memphis because in the games that I've watched, it's Memphis is getting dominated in the air. It's the secondary that's getting torched. So, when you're talking about a team that runs it more, that actually plays to Memphis's favor. And you know, Cincinnati had the bulletin board material. Me and you messaged about this earlier because they had lost back-to-back games to them last year, and so they had the edge. And then they went off and did something stupid. They gave Memphis the ammunition, right? I mean, how do you how do you feel about the way they went Bush league and are not allowing Memphis to have a walkthrough in the stadium. So
0: I will say this. um, I know of the tweet and I know of what happened, but as far as the why, I don't know a whole lot of the why, but I will say I do think it's a very Bush league move to not allow them to do their walkthrough on the field. I mean, they said in the parking lot, could you imagine driving down the street,
2: Daniel, you look over and there's a college football team going through their, their walkthrough in the parking lot. You look out there and there's 60 dudes out there in the parking lot and you don't know what's going on.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's it's, it sounds silly, um, but you're right. I go ahead and give them that bulletin board material. Go ahead and make the, you know, Silverfield's job easy. He doesn't have to, you know, they're, they're ranked high. So the, the motivation to win is already there. So the the coach's job is just keeping them focused and keeping them sharp. And then they do this. And so now it's just an extra layer of motivation that players have to win. And when you give a good team more motivation and more ammunition to want to beat you, like you're setting yourself up, and I'll be honest with you, if I was Cincinnati, a uh, pissed off Memphis is the last last team that I would want to see on the other side. Um, you know, moving away from Memphis, talking about Clemson, I mean, like, just another big win. Like, do just doing what they do. Uh,
2: it got close for a minute, though. Like, the, you know, uh, hey, yeah. I know I know that they always run away, right? But for a minute. Like, you were like, okay, maybe they'll get upset. And then it escalated quickly, obviously.
0: Yeah, and I just think that's Dabo trying to do some different things and then decides, all right, like, this is close enough. Let's go back to what we do best and let's let's just finish this out. I will say, like, Syracuse getting beat by Liberty. Shout out Jerry Falwell. Um the week prior and then turn it around and, you know, being competitive in the game, not necessarily, you know, having a chance. I don't think they were, they had a chance at, at any point in that game to win, but it it wasn't like this Clemson put 73 points on you kind of game that people thought it was going to be. Right. Um, you know, the, the one, there's a couple teams teams that, that I'll look at as far as, you know, that had good wins. I mean, you know, they talk about Coastal Carolina. They talk about BYU as being those non-Power 5 teams that are slowly starting to creep up there. I don't I don't think BYU um, or Coastal have enough – I mean, they run into the, the Memphis problem. Like, you, the teams you play are just not quite good well, enough. Well, I learned today the, via the radio that
2: BYU does not qualify for the Power 5 bid. They have to get an at-large bid. So – As far as Memphis, they said your trouble is going to be if Boise beats BYU. So, Boise, a common problem in it. Um, And then Coastal Carolina, they said, even with one loss, they just don't have a resume that would stack with Cincinnati or Memphis.
0: Yeah, and I I think, you know, last year it came down to Boise State having to lose and Memphis having to beat Cincinnati twice, and that's what ended up happening. So – You know, we got a long way to go. I think we need to play one game at a time. I know that's what coaches, you know, know, harp, but, I mean, it's really the truth. You know, another team that is – we talk about, but we always talk about how it's just a matter of time before they start sliding, and that's the the Mike Gundys. (laughs) They won a ranked matchup. Yeah, I mean, and, and the the Gundies are going to hang in there and they're going to play a team and they're going to be highly ranked and they're going to be favored and then they're going to just get shellacked. Who, so,
2: loses, who loses first, Oklahoma State or Notre Dame and disappoints everyone? Um, Without looking at a schedule. Who, who disappoints their fan base first?
0: I think Notre Dame, just because they have more bullets that they have to dodge in the a c c than um Oklahoma State does in the big twelve and i I always say that, and that's based off of the way which is not very
2: good, so well, Oklahoma State has Texas neck which. You know, obviously they haven't been very good, but that's a dangerous game. And so, yeah, I decided to go ahead and look at the schedule because I asked you the question without looking at it. Because if they can survive that game, Notre Dame in two weeks will have Clemson. So there it will be. So so you answered Notre Dame without looking at it, but you said the bullets they'd have to dodge and there. There's the biggest bullet of them all.
0: I mean, do we we even think that Notre Dame has a shot against Clemson?
2: No, and I hate that I picked against them this week and then they won so convincingly um, to make it look like people are going to say, well, okay, maybe Notre Dame's back. Everyone bites on that year after year. It's no different than you said something about Michigan earlier, and I didn't acknowledge it. Some of these teams have gotten to the point where I really got to see them beat a high-quality caliber opponent to buy in. It doesn't matter how much they beat up on the little guys.
0: Right. So, you know, with that, you, you mentioned your last week's prediction, which was an L um, you, you picked Notre Dame to roll over Pittsburgh. Um, um, or you picked what was it? Pittsburgh to beat Notre Dame in, um, in yeah, an went out, right? <laughs> and. Yeah. And Notre Dame rolled through them and I, I picked Cincinnati to beat SMU, which, you know, was a ranked game. It was – I picked a favorite, but in I, I think we both agreed that it, it, it was an okay pick because of we thought it would be a lot closer than it was. So, I uh, you moved to two and three. I'm at two and three. We're tied. Um, looking at the slate of games for this week, there is only one game with – ranked opponents playing each other and that's ohio state penn state um i i think it's an injustice i think we talked about this i think it's an injustice that they just didn't give memphis a couple extra. they're basically votes. 26 correct like give them a couple extra votes make that a top 25 you know match up between the two and see see what happens but you know nonetheless um give me your give me your game who who you got? Who's your lock for this week? We're gonna continue to be bold, right? We, we and, want and, uh, let me let me let me say this though before you give the game, I I think we have to start stop calling it locks because we're losing more.
2: So, yeah, I'm fixing to take an eleven and a half point dog. So, oh lord, give me Arkansas over Texas A&M. You know what? That's I. I don't. I think that's a bad, a bad pick. Arkansas's defense has been pretty stout. Kellen Mons gonna have his hands full. If there's a game I want to watch this weekend, other than my own team or
0: Memphis, that's the game I would watch. All right. So you're taking Arkansas. Yep. Over AM. Oh man, there's so many games. Uh, you know what? And only because this is a game of of high interest for us, and it and if if Memphis doesn't take care of business, then it it really doesn't matter. Um, but I'm gonna take Air Force over Boise State. You <laughs> led me down the
2: road to make me think you were taking Memphis, and, and, and then went over to Air Force Boise State. So I will say this. I think Memphis will win. so you took a 14 point dog to to up the ante over my eleven and a half point dog. We've taken some serious dogs here.
0: yeah I just I don't know i I think I think the service academies are tough matchups you know either way. I think those guys you know they're only twenty one point two percent or Air Force has a twenty one point two percent chance of winning. So, I, you know, it, it'll give me a reason to root for a team and a game that I typically wouldn't.
2: I know this. We're going to put a parlay down because Mississippi State's going to lose by more than 31 to Alabama. Ohio State, who always covers, is going to beat Penn State by 12. I love the Missouri-Florida line. Florida's only got to win by 13. Oh, yeah. Give me, give me these favorites to cover. Let's roll.
0: So – so let me, let me ask you this. You know, you didn't, we didn't talk LSU, but do they beat Auburn? They
2: do if Coach O takes his head out of his ass. Um, I wasn't going to talk LSU, the same reason why you didn't want to talk Cowboys. Let me go ahead and ask you this question. Instead of me ranting about it, let me ask you a question. As a big sports fan, as somebody who thinks big picture and logical, all right, you got a kid who's a freshman, a hometown kid, comes in, plays phenomenal. Brennan hasn't done anything wrong, but TJ Finley comes in and plays phenomenal. He is your future. Brennan is just your present and nothing more. Do you bench the future who played like that? Like the second coming of Jamarcus Russell, and not only did it, was it just that he played well, the whole team seemed to have a spark from it, right? Um Whereas that same spark hasn't been there with Brennan. Do you go back to Brennan just because he's earned the right, so to speak? Or do you go and go ahead and get the playing time for
0: the future of your team? I think you go with what have you done for me lately? And I think you go with whoever's hot. I mean, so, so I mean, with that, though, that, I mean, that's what makes the
2: question hard for some people. Brennan in his first three games – was fantastic he you know a lot of people didn't give him credit because he's following joe burrow but he put up some serious numbers but as far as lately you just go off last and the lsu team looked really good against the south carolina team that as you mentioned um with auburn coming up they beat auburn and so you play like the way you did against south carolina logic says you should beat auburn
0: yeah um or you could do a two quarterback thing and and Let them try to force their hand to play as competitive and as well as you can. Um, I will say the quarterback makes the offense go, so the quarterback that is making the offense go the best isn't always necessarily the quarterback who's putting up all the stats. Well, with with TJ Finley, like I said, there was a whole different –
2: vibe with the team and I mentioned where he was from specifically because you know that the way Louisiana is and the way LSU is majority of those players are from there and it's a family thing it's a friend thing and they're more likely to follow one of their own through the battle that was the big thing about coach O becoming the coach right because he was Cajun you were you were going to follow the the father-like figure and the talking so like i don't know just i would rather go out with the hometown kid as opposed to the kid that you know is just getting by for this year you got to start building for the future because this year is just a rebuild
0: yeah i mean then then i think the the choice is clear i mean i guess that you know sucks for one and and looks good for the other and you know it it you know know what they talked about daniel
2: with transferring being so easy now you know if you throw a kid like Finley back on the bench after he did what he did, I don't think he'd leave, but they just, they threw this up for a scenario. What if he decided, you know, you end up sitting and you play Brennan the whole rest of the year. What if he decides I don't like the way they handled that. I showed what I'm about. I'm the future. And they put me back on the bench. I think I'll just go elsewhere. Can happen. It can
0: happen. (laughs) It can. Yeah. Um, Whether or not it will, I think for him,
2: I don't think it will because he's the local kid. I think yeah. that's probably where – I haven't heard it or read it, but I'm, I'm willing to bet that's his dream college to play for.
0: And they might be holding on to that chip as well, knowing, knowing that and going, all right, well, you know, he's not going to leave us regardless because this is the only school that he wants to be at. So, he's going to – he'll play when it's his time. You know, I, I don't know. Uh, but it, it, it's a interest, definitely an interesting – thing and dynamic to to look at moving forward just
2: prepare for a rant that we're gonna have to have if brennan plays and they lose to auburn and he has anything to do
0: with it i'll I'll put you down i'll I'll put it in the rundown you got you'll have two minutes and and I'll, i'll let you have the floor but uh last call man uh what did we miss so you
2: know one of the things that you know we've gotten more into mma and fighting and and watch it, and we've had people on to talk about it on the show. And I try to be invested in it, but I don't understand, you know, why it was on a Saturday afternoon. I actually meant to look up the details of it. But because it was on a Saturday afternoon during football, I wasn't able to watch Khabib, but we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up that not only did he win, but he finished his career because he announced his retirement with an undefeated record. And so – I mean, shout out to that dude. I mean, I don't know – I've seen him fight a few times, but I don't know him like your typical fight fans were. But if you're a fan of his, think about that ride, right? Like we talked about LSU um, last year, and I got to be along for the ride. Imagine being a fan of a guy who just doesn't lose, who's just the best pound-for-pound fighter possibly ever in UFC history. Uh, Dude, what an amazing accomplishment. And, you know, we'll talk about it because, you know, not – not too far down the road. We got the realist Jalil Willis coming to join us. And so we'll get his insight on everything MMA. And we'll, we'll talk some about, you know, Khabib's accomplishment.
0: Yeah. um, I think it, it's one of those things that he, the record is, is unblemished. And when people say that they're retiring, like, especially nowadays, like, I, I just – I don't believe it. I he think- has
2: an opportunity to do what a lot of guys don't do. How many guys don't retire, like you just said, and they come back and they tarnish that, that record, that reputation? This guy has got to walk now because there's nothing he can do to prove anymore. He can only go down from here.
0: Yeah, I mean – but at the same time, it's fighting. And I think fighting is a little bit different in regards to especially UFC. A loss in UFC is a lot different than a loss in other sports because styles and like like you're throwing punches. Like if you get caught, it just takes once or one slip up or one one I gotcha and boom, it's over with. And that could be, you know, three seconds into the fight or five rounds into the fight. But either way, like, you know, for him to go undefeated, that's saying something. But I do think if the right person comes out there and the money is right, I think retirement is is
2: will be he's got the dream right now. He's 32 years old. I'm sure he's got more than enough saved and he's got the unblemished
0: career. Man, go
2: on to the next phase of your life.
0: Yeah, I think the the usually the tailing sign for fighters actually retiring is the taking themselves out of the USADA pool for drug testing, and I think only because it it, it takes once you're out, then it takes so much time to get back in, and the guy is older, and like it, it's just very hard. Um, but you know who who knows? Like, if, if this is it, then I think, you know, he could be up there with one of the greatest of all time, definitely. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see, like, what what's the next phase of his career? Is he just completely done or is he going to stay in the fight game for something? Um, but for me, a last call is, you know, I, I mentioned this last week, but the CrossFit Games, the, the, the finale was this weekend. It was phase two. So, um, throughout all the COVID and the online qualifiers and the one sanctional that was done, uh, CrossFit crowned its fittest woman and fittest man on earth. And it it's no is. It, you? it It is definitely not me. Like these men and women, like are unbelievable. Um, the women are sitting there, back squatting over three hundred pounds, and you know, deadlifting four hundred pounds and you know, it it was unbelievable. And the the tests that they had to do were, were, were grueling. And it was a tough three days. And, you know, I'll say this, the fittest man on earth is Matt Fraser and the fittest woman on earth is Tia Claire Toomey. And for four years, they've been the best of the best. And that just the process it takes to be the best in CrossFit is grueling and for them to be the best and, and they didn't just win they just dominated people um so you know if you're not into crossfit and you're interested you can go to games.crossfit.com check it out um go to youtube and search uh, crossfit games 2020 and you can see all the events that those guys and girls had to do it, it's awesome um but man let's let's wrap this thing up let's get to around the horn Uh, Jim, what's the one thing the audience needs to know before you go?
2: So we love talking about our previous guest, and I thought I'd throw a shout-out and tell the listeners that Cameron James, Mississippi State this weekend had their Fall World Series, where they put their best of the best up against each other, and Cameron James killed it so much so that I read what his coach said Mona said that, I mean, he's the real deal. He's the future. He's got all the tools. Uh, saw pictures and highlights of him getting dirty, sn- snatching up the ball like a Hoover vacuum, seen him hitting. I mean, we had a kid on here who, the, the future so bright, Daniel, and his work ethic as we learned is, is so top notch. And furthermore, even though I'm an LSU guy, I told them under the radar I would root for Mississippi state with him and Kate Smith being on that team. And when you look at that team, Daniel, man, they got a legitimate shot of making a run for the title. And so shout out to Cameron James, shout out to Mississippi state and, uh, look forward to hopefully, uh, having baseball with, with no, you know, nothing, nothing to deter it come springtime.
0: Yeah. We'll cross our fingers, man. Um, You know, I've been, I've been seeing it for weeks, you know, I'll see it tonight, but I'll get to say it one more time. Go vote, make a difference. Every vote's going to count when this thing, when this podcast drops, man, it'll be one week, one week until hopefully it all gets decided. And regardless of who wins, I think everyone knows that and everyone can agree that some things got to be different. Um, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, an Independent, um, I think we can all side on the fact that we need better and we want better. So go out, go vote. Um, Jim, man, let's let's close this thing out. It was a good night, man. Another great guest. I want to thank Mary Grace Humes for joining us. I mean, I was thoroughly impressed with her, and just you know, the I asked her to give me an el- elevator you know, speech about what field hockey was, and she did it, man. She was able to describe to me how it's played, what it looks like, and comparing it to other sports. Um, I hope everybody got a, a lot of, in, you know, in, information out of it, but also, you know, we got to talk to her about how you get into field hockey, her growing up, and, and just the story, so um, I hope to have her back. I mean, I'm interested to see how the season goes, and, you know, see what her next steps are. It's always cool to to hear the story and and the career part and where they're going. So, um, you know, once again, shout out to Mary Grace. Hopefully she has a great season. But if you like hearing average Joes talking X's and O's, please like and share our podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, your comments, ratings, feedback is always welcome. Uh, Take a look at the website, man. Jim is, is up. You know, it's up to date. Everything's fresh. It's new. It's nice. So check it out. Shout out to you, Jim. Great job. Phenomenal job as always. And we'll see everyone next week for episode three of season two. We're going to bring on Andy Cox, who played baseball at the university of Tennessee and was a pro baseball star. So we're going to get some insight. We're going to dig deep and, you know, we'll talk and unpack the, you know, the world series and we'll have a champion there and, you know, we'll talk all things baseball. But this has been the In Off the Bench podcast. As always,
1: remember, strong bodies, sharp minds. Grit and grind all the time. We're out.